Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. So today, we're going to talk about um, being Palm Sunday. That's what we're going to talk about, a little bit about Palm Sunday. And <clears throat> I'm going to share with you, you know, I, I want to do this kind of story format a little bit and, and a little bit not. Um, I, uh, just some things I just read, was reading and just looking over with Jesus and, the, and his, his dealings with some of the things going on. We've been in a series talking about soul what, and we talked about the mind, the will, and the emotions. And so I want to share with you a little bit about Jesus and the emotions that he would have went through, uh, in, on Palm Sunday week, and then going into Passover, and then obviously the, the crucifixion and resurrection this, coming up this week. Now, why this is significant is because on Sunday, we'll come in and we'll celebrate the resurrection. Understand this, that right now, this week is what they call Holy Week or Passion Week. It comes from a Greek word called Passio, Passion Week. It just simply means holy. It means the time and the passion and the work of Christ, if you will. This week would be, I don't don't understand why or where we got a lot of stuff, and I don't want to get into all the details because I know it might upset a lot of people and I don't want to do that, but um, our, our understanding of the crucifixion, the dates, the time is all wrong. It's just, it's so off. We say Good Friday, there's nothing Good Friday about it. Um, and, and he wasn't, he wasn't crucified on Friday. I just wish, I wish we could just, you know, swallow our pride a little bit and say we're wrong. It, he wasn't crucified on Friday. It doesn't make sense. The dates doesn't make sense. Nothing makes sense if you do that. Um, Jonah said, you know, the Lord Jesus even said himself, as Jonah was in the belly of the well three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the belly of the earth three days and three nights. Count it up. Friday would not be enough time. It doesn't make sense. And um, so in this week called Palm Sunday, we call it Palm Sunday. It's even the terms Palm Sunday is not relevant to, if you on one hand, what Jesus was doing. It's just what people gave the term for. And we'll get into that in just a moment. But when I talk about these dates, um, in the middle of this week, you'd have to understand that there are, there are two, first of all, there's two Sabbaths and there's a high Sabbath. So when you read your Gospels, read it this week and understand that just because it says Sabbath doesn't mean it's Saturday. So if that throws enough off on you to go read and look at it a little bit more, I hope it does. Um, well, Pastor, will you just tell me what? No, I want you to go read it. It took me forever to figure this out. Even I talked to someone in, in Israel about it because it made no sense. Uh, most people in, in our culture says that's not true. How could Jesus be crucified any other day but Friday? And so as I told him, he said the same thing until he started looking and digging. He said, oh my gosh. It totally makes sense when you count the high Sabbath and take out Saturday. We always count Saturday, but there's a high Sabbath on Wednesday. And when you read that, understand why they could not use the embalming fluid or the oils, if you will, for him. Why they could not go because of the Sabbath. It's not the Saturday they're always talking about. So if that throws you off enough, I hope it did. Now let's talk about Palm Sunday. Well, you just leave me hanging. Yes, I am. I sure am. I want you to read it. Read it for yourself a little bit. Because when you, when we talk about, it, we say, we say Palm Sunday and we talk about Good Friday and all these terms we say, but the reality is Jesus did not submit to the idea of a Palm Sunday. He never did. So I'm going to give you some, some scriptures to read and I'm going to read some, but then you can go over some and read yourself a little bit more. But if you look at Matthew, Matthew 21, this is the, what your Bible even calls it this. The triumphant entry. That's what it calls it. Jesus never said anything about a triumphant entry. 
So let's read it together. I will, I'll read it to you and then, and we'll go over it together. Okay. Uh, so Matthew 21 and verse one, if you guys put that on the screen for us. Um, and so mine might read a little different. I'm sorry, but, uh, I'll do my best here. Cause I, when they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage, which is uh, outside of Bethany, it's called the House of Figs here, but it's Bethany at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, okay? So saying to them, go into the village opposite of you, and immediately <clears throat> you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. So loose them and bring them to me. Now, Jesus wasn't advocating for stealing, by the way. This is a Holy Spirit moment, just so you know, a Holy Spirit moment. That guy, where are you going my donkey and my colt? Oh, the Lord needs it. Oh, cool. It was a Holy Spirit moment. Like, okay. So anyway, he says, bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord has need of them. Don't try that with a new car. <laughs> don't try that with something like, don't be doing that. Okay. Anyway, <clears throat> and immediately he'll send them. And all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, this is the pro- uh, prophecy in Zechariah. You can look it up later. Zechariah 9, 9. But you can look this up later and read it, okay? But it says this, it's fulfilled by this prophet saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, and a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and they brought the donkey and the colt. They laid their clothes on them, and he set them, he, they set him on him, on the clothes, and on the donkey there. And a, and a great multitude spread their clothes on the road. And others cut down branches from the trees. These were palm trees, date nut palm trees, not what you see in Florida. For years, I thought it was coconut trees. It ain't. There ain't no coconut growing down in the, you know, flat lands of Jericho. It's all date nuts, okay? Date, date palm trees, however you want to say that thing, okay? So that's what they were. So they cut these out, spread them down on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna. The word Hosanna is actually a word that means save us now. It actually, if you want a better word, is one you're probably more familiar with. It's called avenging, avenger. Man, I heard some of that last couple of years, right? You're a little more familiar with that term. It means to avenge. It means to be an avenger, if you will. Avenge us now. That's what they're saying. They're not saying, Hosanna to the Lord. Woo, singing those old, like, 90s, like, Hosanna. No, that's not what they're doing. They're saying, avenge us now. Totally different term when you think about it that way, right? So that's what they're saying. Son of David, avenge us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Avenge us now in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. Which you would have to understand, this was tens of thousands probably of people. They, it, the, the temple mount itself was designed to hold about 100,000 people. It's massive. It's nothing like what people think. It is a massive complex. So I'm not sure how many at that time would be there, if you will, but there was tens of thousands of people. The whole city was moved saying, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Now, when I said this to you, Jesus allowed them to do this. Uh, Jesus himself did not say, I'm going, I want to come in in a triumphal entry and I want you to throw down palm branches. He never said that. They did that. And there's a reason why they did that. So I'll give you a little history and then we'll go forward, okay? But <clears throat> so why the palm branches and why were they everywhere? Um, and by the way, just so you understand this, this is uh, the palm branches are a sign of kingship, lordship, and a, 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 a superior king, if you will. A victorious king. That's what it's a sign of. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's just that Jesus didn't ask him to do it. But it is funny, though, in Revelation, if you look at in Revelation, you can write this down, or maybe we can put it on the screen for you, but Revelation 7, 9, it says this, that uh, after all these things, I'll look, this is John talking, he said, a great multitude, which no one could count. This is 
every nation, every tribe, every tongue, a sea of people. You can't even tell how many people are there. It says they stood before the throne of God and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and palm branches was in their hands. So there is a representation of victory, victorious for, for the Lamb of God. But at this moment, Jesus was not coming into Jerusalem to be what they thought he was coming to be. He was not coming to be their avenger. He was coming to be their savior. And there is a big difference when you read this, if you understand he didn't come to be an avenger at that moment. Now, one day he will come back as an avenger. One day, one day you know, it'll be cool if you get to see it. I don't know what seat you're going to have. You know, section A, 31B. I don't know where you're going to be at when you see, if you're here or not here or up there or wherever. But one day he's coming back. And when he does come back, He's coming back on a horse, not on a donkey. There's a big different symbolism right there. If you come in on a horse, you're, you are a, you are ready to throw down. And he will throw down with a might that no one has ever seen before. He will avenge. I mean, there is a scripture that the Lord even says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. <laughs> so that's why you don't have to worry about it. He will, every evildoer that will not repent, that's hurt people and hurt kids, guess what? He's coming back. They all better get their junk straight because he is coming back. Every murderer that's gotten away with it and no one knows about listen, if they don't repent and turn to God, guess what? He's going to come back and what's he going to do? He's going to avenge. There is a side of Christ that I think people forget about. He is going to come back on a, he is going to come back on a majestic horse. And when he comes, he's going to tear up some stuff. I mean, there's a scripture, the brightness of his coming with the, Shout of his mouth, just one shout. People are going to like freak out because they've never seen or heard anything like him. That, there's a part of him like that that's coming, but that's what they thought was here, and he wasn't. He didn't come to avenge, he came to save. But this all started, let me just give you a little history real briefly. Uh, this all started with <clears throat> Antichus in, in about 167 BC. Okay? If you've ever heard of the Maccabees, you guys ever heard of that? It's not considered the Maccabees, the book of the Maccabees. It's not considered uh, biblical text. It's what we call the canonized or canonization of Scripture. But there is a lot of history in there. And I'm not telling you to follow it from a standpoint of theology. I'm just saying it, there is some history you could learn from that. But it's a real story that took place in the time of a Syrian ruler named Antichus uh, Epiphanes. He was the fourth one. Okay, He's the one where you read about in Daniel. Am I boring you guys with this? Okay, just hang tight. It is a little history, okay? My wife's going like, I love it. More history. Just bring it on. She, could you just do more? Dates. Oh, we get some dates today? Yes. I love dates. Uh, I love date nut candy. Like, I would be thinking, oh, some food. She like, no, more history dates. So, in Daniel 11, let me re- put this on the screen for you guys. Daniel 11, verse 31, it talks about this. And I know there's going to be some of you who think, well, that's, that's the return of Christ. That's like Antichrist, end of the days, end of the world. Okay, the only problem with that is historically I could show you from the documentation historically this has already taken place. So that nixes that whole idea. Could there be something in the future that relates to it? Yes. But you can't deny the fact that what has taken place, that's why people that are not Christians look at us and laugh when we say things like, well, that's for the future. And they say, yeah, but it's already taken place. Like we should understand history so we can match it with the word and then be able to give a good report and account of what we know. Don't just listen to your favorite guy on TV and think he's got all the stuff. He's got big charts and big you know, artwork and makes it sound like he's really smart. Maybe he is. But if you discount this, it's historically documented a fact this took place. 
So this guy, Antichus, and Haley, you correct me later if I'm saying his name wrong. She will tell me. So Antichus, that's what I'm going to call him. He, he committed, he's the one who committed this ultimate desecration of the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. He offered the flesh of a pig as a sacrifice to Zeus on an altar that he constructed over the burnt offering. The temple of God. And this is what Daniel says about this. Daniel 11.31, you guys put it on the screen so they can see it. It says, <clears throat> forces from him will arise and desecrate the sanctuary fortress, talking about the temple of God, and they will do away with the regular sacrifice, and they will set up the abomination of desolation. This is what they did. They put uh, a pig on the altar. And if you know anything about Jewish culture, first of all, kosher-wise, you understand how offensive that would be. That you would bring a pig on the grounds, let alone that you would sacrifice one to another god on the temple grounds. The ultimate desecration, if you will. And it says this, by smooth words he will turn to... Do you see why people refer to this as the Antichrist? There's nothing wrong with... In the future, guess what? There could be some stuff you could look at. But right now, I'm telling you, this took place. So by smooth words, he will turn to godlessness. Those who act wickedly toward the covenant, but the people who know their god, they will display strength and they will take action. Now, before you get too happy about this, say, yes, that's what we need to do. We need to stand up. Everybody says we need to stand up today. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? Like When we say we want to stand up, we need to stand up as Christians. What do we mean by that? Like, I, I'm asking myself that question, by the way. What does that look like for you? If you, tell, if you say we need to stand up, I want to know what would it mean for you? Okay, are you going to stand up too? Or do, who would he want to, who do we want to stand up? Like, what does that mean? Do you see what I'm saying? What does that mean? In their time, they did stand up. Now, I'm not saying I'm advocating for this, but they did. The Maccabees stood up, and this is what took place. When they did this desecration, this guy did exactly what, uh, exactly what Daniel said he would do. He went to another area of, of Israel, and Antichus, he commanded everyone in the area of Palestine to sacrifice to these heathen gods under the supervision of an imperial representative. So he did exact by smooth talking. He's a smooth talker, you know? You gotta watch these smooth talkers. You know what I'm talking about? Smooth talking. It sounds like the gospel, but it's not. It's got enough in there that makes you think, well, you know, I mean, it could be. If you gotta, if you got to do this number right here, dance around it till it feels like, okay, I think it is. I'm telling you, that's not the gospel. It's a simple message. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. It's all you got to have, and that's the gospel. Whosoever believeth shall be saved if they call upon the name of the Lord. You can't dictate who can and who can't. You can't say, well, I know that person. They're a bad dude, man. I'm just telling you, there's a lot of bad dudes that's going to be in heaven. And we got to get over that. And stop looking at other people and saying, well, I don't think they can make it. You'd be surprised on people's deathbed how many confess Jesus Christ and pour out their heart and repent in tears right before they take their last breath. I've been there. I've seen it. So don't ever judge somebody and say, well, they just never will. You don't know who will and who won't. So the gospel is simple. So, I mean, why is it up anyway? It's simple. <laughs> I don't know where I'm at now. Lost my spot. Um, anyway, so, so, why am I saying that for? Man, I hate when that happens, man. 
Pastor Victor out here, I ain't got the pressure of time. You know, it's like, oh, just take a side note. So anyway, this guy, Antichus, he, that's right. Sm- thank you, mama. Smooth talkers. Thank you. I knew it was something there. These smooth talkers, you got to watch them. That's what he did. He smooth talked a lot of people to turn away from Christ. And then began going after these false gods. And I'm telling you right now, if there's anything I could tell you if I was watching right now, is you got to watch out for smooth talkers. The, the scripture even says this, that in the end of days, there will be a time where in the end of days that they're going to be, he's going to be so good, so persuasive. Talking about the Antichrist and others. They will be so good that they might, they would be able to deceive the very elect of God. That means the Christians, the, the people who know God. They're so good, they're smooth talking, they could deceive them if possible. That's how good they are. So when he says this, he says, <clears throat> these guys were trying, uh, there's another family here, uh, Matthias Maccabee. And he was an older priest. He moved his family out to another village. And he was trying to escape the idolatry of Antichus. But Antichus found him. So they did exactly what Daniel said. They would know their God and have strength. They know their power of their Lord Jesus and Lord their God, and they would have strength. They would be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And so Matthias and his sons, they refused, and they fought against him. And what created was a revolt of the Maccabees. So Judah, his name was Judas. It's actually Judah. When you say Judas, it sounds like a very negative word because you know Judas in the Bible, but it's actually Judah. And so Judah Maccabee and his, his band of brothers, I guess you will, they created a, 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 a team of people and they just fought back against this to the point where they actually took back over the temple grounds. They were able to get rid of all this junk. It's a very interesting story. So I share that with you not because I think that's what we should do as much as I want you to understand something about this. It's the representation of what you call what we call Hanukkah. He said, why is all this coming out today? I'll get to just say, just hang tight. But the whole idea, when they got to the temple, they found some consecrated oil. and was just enough to basically light one candle, pretty much. And all they could do is light one. They didn't have enough to last. They just had one, just there. But they began to light. And supernaturally, as history goes from the Maccabees, that, that oil lasted long enough to keep the lamps lit. till they could get more consecrated oil. And produce more oil, more oil so they could come and keep the temple lamp burning. If you know anything about this, the lamp was supposed to be burning continuously. The Lord does not care about energy efficiency when it came to his temple. Rather than say, he wanted that stuff burning all day and all night long. You're never supposed to let your lamp go out. You're not ever supposed to let that thing get to the point where you got nothing left in the tank. You're supposed to have enough oil for the day and for the night time. You know? Fill up your temple with the oil of gladness, if you will. But anyway, they did this, and they rededicated the temple with songs, harps, flutes, and cymbals. And this is what they began to do. The people used palm branches to signify their triumphant leader, Judah Maccabee. And so the story of the palm trees and palm branches come from this reference. Now, you can see why the people were so excited. They've been under the oppression of the Romans. They've been under the oppressions of, you know, Babylonians. Israel had been under much oppression over the years from different nations. And so here they are. They see Jesus and the crowd's following him and everybody's around Jesus. And so what do they do? The only thing they know is, well, if he's the one, then break out the palm trees, baby. 
because he's about to take down some stuff. That's what they thought. So they laid down palm branches. They did all this. And it was pomp and circumstance. And, and here's what I want you to see about Jesus. Now, can you imagine the focus of your Lord? He comes in. It, I wish I could show you all this so I could blah, get all this stuff out. But I wish you could see the geography so you understand. As he's coming from there to Bethany, he gets up to the Mount of Olives, what they call the Mount of Olives. Today it's called the Mount of Graves because so many people have been buried there because they're buried in front of the Eastern Gate, which is called the Golden Gate, if you will, where the place in which Jesus would have gone in. And now it's all sealed up. The Muslims sealed it up. And the reason they sealed it up is because one day Jesus, the triumphant one, is going to come back. He's going through that same gate. But they built this wall up so that you can't get in or out. And they built all these graves right in front of it because if a Jew was to walk through the areas of the graves, he would be, uh, if you will, uh, defamed in a sense and where he would be unclean and could not do the temple work. So he couldn't go through that gate. So therefore their thought was block the gate, put graves in the place. That way no Jew could ever come through. The Messiah can't come back. That was their thought process. But Jesus ain't like just your everyday Jew. When he comes back, all those graves ain't going to matter. It's going to be like, ain't going to be a problem with that. I don't know what he's going to do with a block. Maybe it's like swap left. I don't know. Whatever he does, he's got the power to do it. But they try to stop him. Man, can you imagine this in his mind? Don't tell me, oh, he's just our Savior, and he didn't think about this. He was man as much as he was God. It doesn't take away from his divinity to say that he was a man. If you take away from his humanity, you take away from the ability to sacrifice for us. You've got to have the humanity of Christ as much as you do the divinity. And so as he goes in, can you imagine Jesus? He sees palm branches. He knows what that means. People are cheering him on. Have you ever had someone cheer you on? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Can you hear it? And man, his adrenaline is probably flowing. Yeah, I know he's worked miracles, and I know he's experienced probably the, 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 the weightiness of the Lord before, but this is different. This is people celebrating you, lifting you up. Come on, raising you up to a place where you're feeling pretty good right now. If you've ever had anyone clap for you, cheer for you, say you're awesome, it's a pretty good feeling. Don't look at me and act like it ain't so. All you need is one boy, one, one somebody's son, that, that boy goes across a touchdown, he gets a touchdown, goes across the goal line, and a mom and dad stands up like you'd have thought they just won a million bucks in a lottery. That's my baby, that's my son, that's my son. You act like crazy people, don't we? Yes, we do. We do. And, and all that's going on, and what do you think is going on in his mind right now? Can you guys put up that image of the, the soul real quick for us? The mind, the will, and the emotions. To think that Jesus somehow didn't have any of this would be to deny his humanity. He sat in the Garden of Gethsemane and said, if it's possible, if it's possible, watch this, the humanity of Christ, if it is possible, if there's another way, but not my, come on somebody, not my, See the humanity of Christ. This, ought to, this brings Jesus closer to me. Because I think, man, he, he struggled with this. I didn't say he sinned. I said he struggled. Is there another way? Now, come on, have you ever prayed that before? I don't, I don't want to do this. Is there something else you could give me to do? God, I don't, I don't like this situation. Is there something else you could give 
But then at some point you have to get to the point you say, it's not my will. It's your will. Don't you think he got to the point where his emotions, come on, I'll put the definition, the responses and reactions to trials, relationships, and other circumstances, how we process our life. Don't, the emotion, the adrenaline of being told, you are the one was rising up. He was a human too. And he had to hear all this celebration and know that in the midst of that, his week did not start out as an avenger. It started out as a savior and no one could understand what he was about to do. The scriptures even say so much about Jesus that when he began to talk to them about his flesh and his blood, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. And watch this. They all left him. He turns to his disciples and said, Y'all gone too? Now here's the thing I want to share. And I got a little liberty. I'm not going to keep you long, but just hear me out on something. You need to know the difference between what's going on around you when it comes to emotions. And you know the difference between the people that are around you. I learned this a while back from Bishop. And when you say Bishop, who am I referring to? Thank you, Mom. T.D. Jakes. If you say Bishop, it's just Bishop Jakes. That's period. It's T.D. Jakes. If anybody else is Bishop so-and-so. They just put the name. If you say Bishop, that's Bishop Jakes. I learned this a long time from him. you got to watch the people around you because, listen, there's always going to be a crowd around you. There's always going to be people that say, you are, yeah, Jesus. It's the crowd. It's a crowd of people where they know your name. They like you. You know, it's cool. They're they're basically kind of cheering you on if you get a touchdown. But if you don't get a touchdown, they're called fair weather fans. You're on the losing season, they pick a new team. They're not consistent. Be careful for people who celebrate you. Bishop said it like this. Be careful because you be careful because you'll always have a Judas in your midst and he'll always be close enough to kiss you. Something to think about. You gotta watch the crowd. Because the crowd will celebrate everything you do. You know what I mean, right? You, you know, you, you play golf, brother. You know, you hit a good shot. Everybody, yeah. But they don't even know your name. If you don't hit a good shot, they're like, oh, he stinks. People are like, oh, Tiger Woods, he made it. Yeah. But the moment he starts losing, like, oh, he can't do nothing. He's, he's old. He ain't going to make it. They, they're just, they're not with you. Then Bishop, he said there's another group of people that don't think about us because of the Russians. <laughs> All the stuff going on with that. But you have comrades, which is, means this. You have people that are with you because they're for what you're for. They're for what you're for. You post, hey, I think we ought to be praying for, fill in the blank. You got a bunch of people say, like, 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 like. That don't mean they're necessarily with you. they just for what you're for. And there was a lot of people who were in the crowd. And when he said, eat my flesh, drink my blood, they left. And there's another group of people. You understand, he fed 4,000 people on the side of a mountain. Count up in a couple of two different times that we have an account of. There are tens of thousands of people that were part of that miracle that were with him that just left him at the moment he talked about communion. And then he says to his disciples, y'all going to go too. So comrades are people, they're close to you, but they are people who are for what you're for. They're for the cause. You know, as long as you're drilling wells on the backside of, 
you know, Nigeria or something like that. They go, yeah, 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 yeah. The moment you say, hey, look, we've, we've done all we can do. We've, we've built enough wells. We're going to go build some in, in, in the backside of, you know, South America somewhere. Well, I don't want to be a part of that. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? They're for what you're for. But then you have this few people, which are called confidants. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because you've got to ask yourself, which one is it? Who am I talking to right now? Are they just for what I'm for? Are they really someone I can deal with? And Jesus got down to the point where he had three people that he felt like he could confer with. And even in that setting, the one that would actually be the one that preached the first message of the church of Jesus Christ left him and turned his back on him and denied him three different times. Jesus had the highest of highs. Riding that wave of palm branches and a victorious avenger. That's going through his mind. His emotions are amped up within just a few days to the lowest of lows. Have you ever experienced that before? I mean, I've been in the hospital before and I prayed with people and watched them take their last breath. And go two floors up and pray with the family and watch them bring life as a baby enters the world. All on the same day. All in the same hour. The highest of highs to the lowest of lows. It just bottoms you out. And can you imagine not just Jesus with what he did for you, but the reality of what was going on in his mind as well and emotions. Now, why am I sharing all this with you this morning? Because I want you to understand Jesus never lost his focus. He came as a savior, not as an avenger the first round. Now, he's coming back different. But my question this morning is this. <coughs> Where are we right now with Jesus? You know, he says this in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. I'm wrapping up with this thought. He says, come unto me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. He didn't say go to Facebook. He didn't say go, look, watch this. Now, this is where you got to watch what I'm saying. Why I tell you about, about the people around you. Because he didn't say go to the crowd and see what they say about the situation. He didn't say go hang out with your comrades that are for what you're for and ask them what they think about the situation. He didn't say go to your closest confidants that you trust dearly. And you can talk to them, but when you're coming to get some relief, he said you come unto who? Come unto me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And Jesus said, I will give you what? Thank you, Jesus, for rest. People argue over the Sabbath and get mad and say, it's under the law. And and I think it's a day of rest. What's the matter with you? Why would you fight over Jesus wanting to give you a day off? I love having a little time off. I ain't going to lie. I love it when my phone doesn't ring. It's a nice feeling. I mean, how about you? You like to go fishing, play golf, do something where... Nature, the birds just go, chip, chip, chip. And then you watch them and go like, they have no cares in the world. That's why Jesus said, watch them. Just stand around looking at them. We got chickens, watch them. You look and think, man, them things, they got no brain cells at all. <laughs> like all they do is peck and eat and look at you like this. I can't do it like they do it. And, and they make eggs, and which is great for us. But they basically have no sense. But they're fun to watch. 
When Piper puts them on her arm, I think she's trying to train them like a parrot. I'm waiting for one of them to start talking. She literally puts them on her arm and they go on her head and like this. She's going like this, like, like they're parrots. They're chickens. But it's fun to watch. Kind of gets your mind off other stuff. Anyway, he says, take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. If you go back and read the prophetic word of Zechariah, this is what you will see. He is coming, and he is, he is a triumphant king. Don't, get, don't mistake what I'm saying, but it says he is humble. He was not coming to destroy or take over or kick out the Romans. He was coming to save the world. And he says, <laughs> he's gentle at heart and humble, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give you is light. And here's my question this morning as we get ready to dismiss. Do you allow him to teach you? Who are you letting teach you right now? Is it Jesus or is it the culture around you? Who is it? Who, whose yoke do you have on you right now? Is it the yoke of Christ or the yoke of this world? Oh, the pressure. I've got to get this done. I've got to do this. I know we're all big. I get it. Some of you right now, you're freaking out. You look at your what? You can't even, you can't even sit here for five more minutes because you are freaking out right now. I've got, got to beat the other people to lunch. Hey, man. Really? That's what's on your mind right now? That's what's the most important thing in your life right now. I can tell you right now, you don't have his yoke. Because you are frantic. Hey, man, just chill out. It's going to be all right. Let him take upon you his yoke. And are you carrying his burden? That's my prayer. I, I really want you to think of us for a second before I pray for you and we dismiss. Whose burden is on your back? His burden. If it's the burden of Christ, then you defer all the world and its pain to Jesus. Anything else you're carrying of this world is not of the Lord. I can tell you that right now. Because you're not made for it. I'm not made for it either. He said, cast all of your, this is first Peter says, cast all of your cares upon me, for I care for you. Yeah, but what's happening over in Ukraine? I know, I know it's bad. I know. But guess what? I can't fix it. So what I do? I'm going to cast it over on Jesus. Jesus, I pray you help them. Help stop the situation. i got to pray you stop it before it escalates. Help these people out. Help them win. Help them do whatever. I pray for whatever. God, I don't even know what to pray for for them. Hey, what about so-and-so down there? You know, he's my neighbor, and he's got all this pain in his life, and there's, there's real issues in his family. I, I know it. Cast that over on Jesus. Pray for him. But stop carrying everybody else's burdens. They're not your burdens to bear. They're his. So this morning, I want you to, as you close your eyes and bow your head, I want you to really think about what I'm saying. <clears throat> and I want you to ask yourself and ask the Lord right now, before God, whose burden am I carrying right now? <clears throat> I'm going to pray for you, but I really want you to take a moment right here and just ask Jesus, dear Lord, Am I carrying a burden that's not supposed to be on my back? Is there something that I'm being taught, that I'm listening to, that is not of you? Am I listening to things that are pulling me away from you, Lord? Holy Spirit, I ask you to speak to my heart. And as he puts whatever he puts in your heart, you just take this moment and just say, well, God, in the name of Jesus right now, I give that to you.
Some of you got worries about your children. You worry about the world they're growing up in. I get it. I mean, we have real conversations with our kids. I get it. But I found that I can't fix the culture of this world. So I got to give that to the Lord. And I pray things like this for my Lord. I pray that they will only know Jesus. I pray, Lord, that all they will ever know is you. In the midst of a Babylonian society, I just pray in Jesus' name, they will follow you all the days of their life. And Holy Spirit, would you speak to them? Let them not live off their daddy's faith or their mama's faith. God, just speak to them. And that's just, you've got to pray, and then you've got to give it to God. How do I do that, Pastor Jody? I'm so worried. I can't, I, what your worry is like an alternative form of prayer. That's the way the devil gets you into thinking and and, 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 and talking and everything. But that's just, that's the opposite of prayer says, in Jesus' name. Okay, the worry's there. In Jesus' name. Lord, I know this is going on, and I pray for them right now. Lord, I know they, that fam, they, they're dealing with cancer right now. In Jesus' name, I pray for them. Holy Spirit, would you have mercy and move on them in Jesus' name? Because you're worrying about whatever's going on and going to fix it. They want your prayers, not your worries. So this morning, Holy Spirit, I pray for people in this room. I pray for everybody watching on the broadcast right now. Carrying burdens you're not supposed to carry. Jesus came in triumphantly, if you will. But he came in to bear the burdens of humanity. He took upon himself the sins of the world so that you could be free from sin. And so, Lord, I pray right now you'd help us all to give you our burdens right now in Jesus' name. I pray if there's anybody watching on broadcast or listening right here in this room, they don't know you today. I pray today they would confess you as their Lord and Savior. So while your eyes are closed, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You're watching on broadcast, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. <clears throat> but you say, man, Pastor Jody, I need to be saved. I've never received Jesus as my Savior, and I need to do that today. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray, and we're going to pray together. The whole church will pray with you. But I want you to repeat this after me right now. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, and I ask you, Lord, to save me. I ask you to forgive me and to be my Lord, to be my Savior. In Jesus' name, I receive you as my Savior. Amen and amen and amen, right? In Jesus' name, that's so good. Give me a hand, would you, church? Absolutely. So if you pray that prayer, we are so excited for you. And uh, we'll put some on the screen for you, connect.cornerstonerome.com. If you're watching online right now, connect.cornerstonerome.com. And you can fill that out for us, and we will help you get started walking with Christ. If you're in the room, in your seat back, you know, same way you use a pen, there's a note card right there. If you prayed that prayer, you can just fill that out for us in a seat back in front of you and drop it off in the offering box. Or when we dismiss, we'll have prayer ministry teams that will be down front. You can give it to one of them, which I'd prefer you to do. If you got to go, I understand that. But if you have them, just five minutes, if you prayed that prayer, let them know, and we will help you and give you some resources to begin walking with Christ. So just a moment, that's what we'll do, and I'll tell you, and, and you can do that and, go, and come down. But if you're online, connect.cornerstonerome.com. We'll help you. Fill that out. Let us know, and we'll help you get started walking uh, with Christ. Uh, one more time, if you guys want to put up the Easter um, slide for me. 
so everybody can see that. We'll just leave it up for you. Um, I just want to encourage you today to invite people to Easter next week. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, again, give them the message of the gospel in a way that will be, um, I, I just believe it'll be a way in which it'll be a little bit different, but I think it'll really uh, be open for people's hearts. And so <clears throat> uh, as you do that, you invite people to church, um, just pray over them this week as you invite them, okay? And then after Easter, what I want you to do is also, if they come with you, this is my challenge, I don't want to freak you out, but I want you to think about this. If they come and they become saved or they come to Christ or they renew their faith in Christ, what would it look like going forward after that for them? Everybody needs somebody to lean on in those times. Can they lean on you? For a season, can they lean on you? Ask you questions. And, and what you do is you tell them, hey, listen, I'm here for you. And you, and you talk to them that week. And I just, I just want you to think about it as a, as a believer. You can do that. And, and they'll need that too as well. So uh, before we go today, um, I want you to stand to your feet and then ask our prayer team to come on down front. And so as they come down front, uh, I want you to... If you prayed that prayer and you got a few minutes here, if you'll bring that card with you down here, one of these guys would love to pray for you and help you get started walking with Christ. And so um, just want, I just want to encourage you in that. You need uh, people around you to help you strengthen your faith. You need people. And these folks here are wonderful. They'll pray for you. They love Jesus and they love you. And uh, they're just wonderful, wonderful group of people. So <clears throat> that's my mom right down there. She look, she, she's one amen of me right here. It's my little amen corner right there. I love it. It's nice. So... Before we go, I just want to speak this blessing over you. Before we go, we always like to pray this over you. And if you need prayer for anything else, you can come down front too. It doesn't have to be just salvation. Anything. They'll love to pray with you today. But before we go, this is in Numbers chapter 6. We always like to speak this over you before we go. Number 6 says, The Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may he give you his peace. Right? That's what we want, his peace, right? Amen, in Jesus' name. That's our blessing for you guys. God bless you guys. You have a wonderful, wonderful day. We'll see you Easter Sunday. It's going to be a good time. You better get here on time. It's going to be fun. So have a wonderful, wonderful day. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.